Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. The synod of sin is now behind us. Or that's what a lot of people think, especially since the synod published a big controversial document Saturday night, which I covered for you here on Monday. But people who think it's behind us are wrong for two reasons. First, what we went through for the past month was only the latest phase of the synod of sin which of course doesn't wrap up until October 2024. Second, when the final meeting is done, we'll be talking about the synod and its consequences for weeks, if not for months. The same is going to be true of the closing of this latest phase of the synod of sin. We've got all kinds of interesting stories that emerged just before the document was released to talk about in light of what I told you about earlier this week from what the actual document, final document said. So let's dive into the topic. First, I wanted to thank the channel members and patrons for continuing to help keep these messages coming. For like a dollar a month, they help keep the lights on at Return to Tradition Global Headquarters. If you want to get early access to videos, plus a few other things that I tend to do off of YouTube, articles that are published and that kind of thing, follow the link to Patreon or Subscribestar in the description box below, or hit that join button and you too can help support the work that I do here. Thanks, and on to our story. The never-ending Synod of Sin has taken a break, and we'll re reconvene officially next October to talk about, among other things, the James Martin sin, and those who live that sin and what the church can do to make them feel more welcome. <sighs> Francis said he was pushing that off until the final phase. He said that, and as I covered this past weekend, he also said no to priestesses, and deaconettes even, and the Synod won't override him on that either because they can't. I'm not surprised that he said no to priestesses, since that's been his constant response to the request for ordaining women into the Catholic priesthood. Not surprised at all. He's been very, very consistent on that. He even said in the final hours of the Synod, no to deaconettes. And I went into more detail about that in my live stream this past weekend, but that declaration doesn't mean the discussion is over. Far from it. The Synod final document made it clear that there's definitely interest in that discussion, and the strongest proponents for deaconettes aren't going to give up on that topic anytime soon. Quite frankly, Francis opened Pandora's box by even giving people space to talk about it in an official ecclesiastical environment, like the Synod of Sin, made all the worse by allowing laity to be treated as if they're on equal footing with actual bishops of the church. That should never have happened, and as a consequence... We're going to hear demands for deaconettes and priestesses and bishopettes for the rest of our lives. It's just what we're going to have happen. But that wasn't the point of the synod anyway. The point was to normalize a certain sin that far too many bishops and priests have suspiciously strong opinions about in favor of those who commit the sin in question without apology or regret. This points to widespread doctrinal confusion at the very least, if not worse than that. I'll focus our discussion today by briefly presenting this from Bishop Athanasius Schneider, who represents a voice of sanity in a lot of this. And he gave an interview with Catholic Family News recently, where he discussed widespread doctrinal confusion, which is really what the Synod of Sin exposed to the whole world. This entire subject is normalizing sin, and accepting unrepentant public sinners is a prime example of doctrinal confusion in the Church. I may go over this interview in greater detail later this week in another video, maybe that way, or in a live stream. Let me know if you want that. But 
let's start with Bishop Schneider, quoting him directly. The doctrinal confusion within the church is indeed very wide and profound, especially among the bishops and priests, in most of the seminaries and religious convents, and among the faithful. The basic error consists in doctrinal relativism, which creates a state of mind of ambiguity and uncertainty regarding any religious truth. The most dangerous error is the acceptance of the diversity of religions as something positive, or as fact, about which Catholics don't have to be concerned. From this error stems the heretical opinion that one can be saved in any religion. Such a widespread error, which in practice has been supported by the Holy See for decades through the worldwide interreligious meetings on the pattern of the 1986 Assisi meeting, and taught positively in most theological faculties and seminaries, is basically stifling the missionary zeal of evangelizing, which is the first in divinely instituted mission of the church. End quote. That nonsense put the church on equal footing with other ways of knowing God led to this. See, on the matter of doctrinal confusion, it's a really good way of segueing into our next point, which proves exactly what he's saying. The Catechism of the Catholic Church is about to get a change in favor of the uh, James Martin sin. Cardinal Schonborn, who at one time had been looked at as a possible Benedict XVII, made that announcement recently and was all smiles as he said it. Headline from CathCon. Cardinal says Pope can change catechism at doctrinal whim. Here's a reminder, the only catechism ever defined as being dogmatically infallible is the Catechism of the Council of Trent, which was issued after the Ca Council of Trent and based 100% on its dogmatic statements. That's the only catechism ever defined to be that reliable. Catechisms can and sometimes do contain error. You know, the cardinals who put the present catechism of the Catholic Church together in the 1990s said upon its release that it was a mess and needed to be fixed. Though well, I doubt they had this in mind when they said that. Anyway, from the article, quote, What about a change in the official church teaching on the James Martin sin? According to Viennese Cardinal Christoph Schonborn, this is solely a matter for the Pope. The catechism had already been changed once under Francis. According to Vienna Cardinal Christoph Schonborn, changing the official church teaching on the sin in question is solely a matter for the Pope. In response to a discussion in front of journalists in the Vatican on Monday, Schonborn said that so far there had only been one change to the valid catechism from, the 1992, from 1992. In 2018, Pope Francis added the ban on the, the ultimate penalty a state can impose on a person to the Catholic Church's textbook. Whether there will be further changes depends solely on the Pope, who proclaims a catechism and puts it into effect, said the Cardinal, who was involved in the formulation of the current catechism more than 30 years ago. End quote. You see how that change, that a lot of people, for whatever reason, agree with, opened the door to this nonsense? Neither of those changes are valid, by the way. The change to the ultimate penalty imposed by the state flies in the face of sacred tradition, sacred scripture, and everything popes have said on the subject going back to antiquity. That's just a fact. Francis has no more authority to change anything like that, and the church has the authority to eliminate the Roman canon from the mass. And they tried to do that too. Now, it's an uncomfortable truth, but it's true. He can't change what the church says on certain things, and what the church has always taught about pretty much anything. But Sean Bourne doesn't care because he's one of those bishops who can be best described as an opportunist. They will just take whatever position that the current pontiff takes, regardless of it being good or not. 
In previous ages, when most popes were either good or middling, that was probably okay, but in our time we've had a string of pontiffs that really love novelty, and their attitude is dangerous for the integrity of the faith. The faith is all about saving souls, after all, and every single one of us on the subject of our own salvation should be made more than a little uncomfortable with the sins we have a predisposition to, the ones that keep sending us to the confessional, regardless of what they are. Most, for most of us, those sins aren't being defended and advocated for by the world as essentially natural and not at all a violation of the natural order of things. But for some, they are, and for whatever reason, the sense of faith gets thrown out the window on this particular sin. Likely because we know that quite a, a lot of priests and bishops are themselves afflicted with this inclination. I have to mention the salvation of souls being primary here because Cardinal Schonborn has forgotten that rather simple, basic truth. Quote, On the subject of the James Martin sin, and sin more broadly, Sean Bourne pointed out that Francis often speaks about the question of the guilt of the individual. There's a gap between the given subjective order and the subjective level of the individual person, who is always sinful. The church must respect and support every person with their limitations and their history. At the World Synod meeting in the Vatican, there was repeated discussion about how the Catholic Church should deal with people who live in these kinds of pairings in the future. Several synods had called for a change on this point. When asked what role theology and the thinking of believers play in the development of church teaching, Sean Bourne emphasized that the church's teaching is unchangeable, but there is a development and deepening in the understanding and presentation of faith. Sean Bourne also praised the way the world synod works. The method of synodality is, quote, clearly correct and necessary, said the archbishop. At the meeting, listening is the top priority. It is also about making a common distinction. This approach changes the situation profoundly. Sean Bourne continued that he recently spoke to U.S. economist and political advisor Jeff Sachs about the synod. He said that the World Security Council should also work in the manner of synodality. Then perhaps there would be a little more peace in the world. Sean Bourne criticized that no one on the Security Council was really listening. Representatives there present the guidelines of their governments without actually communicating with each other. End quote. Synodality isn't necessary. It isn't. The gospel is necessary. The salvation of souls is necessary. The end to all these forms of relativism is necessary. And this talking to one of the most notorious figures in modern secularism and trying to get him to apply synodality to secular politics is laughable. Especially on the international stage, where every delegate at their meetings is present with only one purpose in mind. To get the best deal for their country possible at the expense of every of everyone else. That's how international relations really have worked since the dawn of time, and that's not going to change anytime soon. But I'm not surprised about his naivety on politics, since he doesn't seem to understand or accept that certain sins are deal-breakers, and that for those who continue to persist in their sin without apology, there can be no welcome into the sacramental life of the church. All are welcome to conversion, though. All are welcome to repentance. Access to the sacraments requires a firm purpose of amendment, embodied in the succinct and unambiguous words of our blessed Lord Jesus Christ when he said, Go forth and sin no more. Pretty straightforward stuff there. 
But now, and for suspicious reasons, too many bishops and priests want to make the blessings of those who unapologetically live in conformity to these sins and the sinful ideas of the world, they want them accepted in the church without change. Why? Because they've imbibed of the religion of the world, not of the Catholic faith. It's really as simple as that. They're confused about doctrine because they want the love and adoration of the world. Or they want the money of governments who contract with the church and their countries like in America for the promotion of their various social programs. Don't forget that in this tale either. Money talks as they say, and apparently it's the faith that takes the walk in our case, which is really revealing in all of this. But what do you think? Are you surprised that Bishop Seanborn once declared to be the next Benedict XVI? This is basically just regurgitating Francis Blessing's talk. Do you want more from Bishop Schneider's interview? Let me know in the comments, please, and hit like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help. So does sharing this on social media. That helps too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.